When the foundations are destroyed, take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 11. Psalm 11. I have have missed preaching from the Psalms. I was in there last week. Now we're back again, and I'm glad. But again, I I just hope and pray that it's a joy, it's a blessing. How many of you, now, it, confession time, I, I know there were things on there, it's like, ah, oh, you gotta be kidding me. How many of you ever watched Star Trek? Come on, raise your hand. Yeah, okay. You know, one thing I thought this would be interesting, it might not be good, I don't, you know, we'll see, but when Spock would do the Vulcan mind meld, you know, I do wish, though, that there were times that I could share my heart in prepping for a message. You know, just just to give you an idea, you know, you look at this and it's like, boy, I hope and pray that this speaks to us, you know? I pray that, you know, that God does a job because I don't know what so many of you go through in the week I know what I go through, but I'm so glad that God knows what we go through. And it's amazing how God can take his word and speak to us in the greatest ways in places we never thought. Now we're going to a passage this morning that was written in a time of stress. You'll see what I mean, but I know again God will use it. So, Psalm 11, it's not a long one. We're going to go ahead and read the whole thing. Verse 1, Psalm 11. In the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For lo, the wicked bend their bow. They They make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privily shoot at the upright in heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and an horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. Now remember, this is written by David. And I can imagine him as he has sat down and he's contemplating his God. And just, you you wish you could get into David's mind, but we don't really have to. All we have to do is read what he wrote and let the Holy Spirit do his job. So let's do that. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we look into your word, I pray that you would indeed speak. Again, I'm thankful for the folks that are here, for those that 
uh, are gone. I think of the Selbys on vacation. Keep them, Lord. I think of the Gilberts that are dealing uh, with COVID and Pat Taylor as well. I pray that you would heal them wherever else other people are. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to them. Lord, it's a joy for the local church to gather together. Lord, I pray that we would find you faithful, and we will. And this time, I pray that you would give others that might, be, might not be here for, well, for reasons that are just not exactly right. I pray that you would give them a hunger for that local fellowship. So we're looking to you, and we're so thankful that we can. So Lord, again, speak, I pray. In Christ's name. Amen. I want to give you a thought. No matter what happens around us, he who is above us has a will for our existence. You're here for a purpose. For our time as his servants. There's a saying I heard a long time ago, and I've mentioned it here before. I just mentioned it a little while ago. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. I don't know about you, but there are times I have a problem with that. I mean, Lord knows you you can be listening to something or watching something, and somebody gets on the television or they're on the radio or, you know, wherever, on, on a podcast online, And suddenly, your life is absolutely not complete unless you use their brand of toothpaste or unless you eat that Snickers bar or unless you buy that Ford. And Lord knows why anybody would buy a Ford. But understand this, that our God in the midst of all the noise, is trying to help us, by his word, keep the main thing, the main thing, and we know what the main thing is. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, this isn't necessarily a gospel-centered message, but it is about the gospel. We're looking at when the foundations are destroyed and the foundations are being destroyed right now. So when that takes place, what can the righteous do? What is it that God would have us do? This last Wednesday, we looked at the subject of trials and testing. Now we're here in Psalm 11 seeing David go through a testing here. I just read this in my devotions this last week. It was amazing, and then that was the subject for Wednesday night. Remember when David was heading up these men, the mighty men of David. I love how the the, the Bible puts it. All those that were in debt and in distress. And I thought, that's a local Baptist church right there. You know, I just... They all gather together, you know, they're having a hard time. People want to kill them, you know, fight them and all that. And David and his mighty men came back to where their families were, all that they possessed, 
and it was gone. Their enemies had come in, not killed anybody, but taken everything and burned where they lived, burned it down. In 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, it says this, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved. And, excuse me, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But then the Bible says this, But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Now, you know, this is, this is kind of neat. I did, in studying for this message this morning, it was like deja vu all over again. Here we are, once again, we're in our word, I hope and pray that you are, every day, reading some of the word. Then on top of that, we're gathering together on, on, on Wednesday night, and then on Sunday and Sunday night. By the way, be here Sunday night. You're going to hear a real preacher tonight. Antonio's preaching tonight. He's got family that's going to be here. Be here. Be an encouragement. But anyway, so we get into the Word, and we're hearing things about our God. Now, David had been through enough. Remember when he faced, who was it? The giant. What was his name? What was it that David said to the giant Goliath? Listen, I took on the bear, I took on the lion. Compared to them, you ain't nothing. You're dead meat. And that's, it's in the translation. You get what I'm saying. But, but David was confident in his God. It's, you know, there's a reason why we get together every week. We can encourage each other because there are times, and right now, in fact, there are people here. It's like, Lord, what about this situation in my job, in my family, in my health? You know, Lord, what about this? <coughs> Excuse me, what about that? Hey, we can encourage ourselves in the Lord. Amen? No, 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 no. Amen? Amen. Listen, folks, we're a Baptist church. It's not Presbyterian. You can say amen. amen. Thank you. Very good. I appreciate that. It's not for my sake. It's, for, <laughs> it's just praise God. Here we are. Remember last Sunday? In God we trust. So here's David. He's in the court of Saul. Now David has been catapulted to this because of what he did with Goliath. In coming into the court, it's interesting, and again, I just read this in my devotions this morning. He behaved himself wisely. He behaved himself more wisely. He behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul. David was living in uncertain times. So are we. He's there, he's seeking to do God's will. He wants to do what's right. And the person that he's serving wants to kill him. 
So first of all, we're looking at facing fear. Again, look at verse one. Notice the first words out of David's mouth, so to speak. And the Lord put I my what? Okay, hey, before we go any further, church, this is what we do. We're reading God's word. We're studying of our God. This is the thing we are going to say. Right now, we're trusting God. And all God's people said? Amen. See, this is it. Look, we know enough. We have been there. We've seen God work. Folks, this is how it takes place. Every one of us have heard enough. We've gone through enough that we will trust our God. Amen. That's David. And the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul? Flee as a bird to your mountain. What, what, are, you, what, are, you, what are you telling me about this? This means that God is the one, means determined. He, David, has determined. will give him the counsel, the wisest counsel. Not people that are looking around and go, this is, this is bad. David, you're in a world of hurt. Get out of here. David says, no. Why are you saying that? In the Lord, I'm going to put my trust. In these times, we need to understand and realize, and by the way, I'm preaching this to myself as well, because we need to know it. God is the one who rules over all. Therefore, we will place ourselves under his control. This church is under God's control. This preacher, he better be under God's control. All of us need to be there. We don't need to fear. His response was one of faith. I remember um, we were, I, I, I was out on the concrete crew one time and my boss had just read a story about Martin Luther. And I got to thinking about it for this message and I thought somehow I've got to find this. I think I found something pretty close. I want to give you a little detail. This, this was interesting because there's a favorite song that Martin Luther wrote. It's actually the most famous of all of them, I believe. But what's the story behind it? And here it is. On June 15, 1520, the Pope, Leo X, ratified and signed a bull, a written thing, and it was bull, excommunicating Martin Luther from the church. Well, God's the one that buys us anyway. He condemned his teachings as, quote, heretical, scandalous, false, and offensive, unquote. He called for the burning of Luther's books, forbade him to preach, and demand that he recant in 60 days, or he's a dead man. Well, he didn't get a whole lot of response, and a whole lot of people are loving what Martin Luther is preaching. So he appealed to the new emperor, Charles V, 21 years old, to bring Luther either to obedience to the church or to the stake. 
So the emperor called the Diet of Worms a council of German rulers. The crowds literally lined the roads to see the man that was standing up to the Pope and probably marching to his death. On April 17, 1521, facing that 21-year-old emperor, Luther was asked, quote, are those your writings and do you wish to retract them or do you adhere to them and continue to assert them, unquote. Luther asked if he could answer the next day, and so he did. He came back the next day and said this, If the emperor desires a plain answer, I will give it to him. It is impossible for me to recant unless I am proved to be wrong by the testimony of Scripture. And by the way, folks, that is a fact. Amen. You know, listen, we, we're, not, we're not swayed by emotion. It's thus saith the Lord. He went on to say, my conscience is bound to the word of God. It is neither safe nor honest to act against one's own conscience. Here I stand, God help me. I cannot do otherwise. Luther wound up having to sneak out because he heard that the emperor then wanted to kill him. So he sneaks out of a small gate and he's going through a certain area in a forest and all of a sudden he's surrounded by five men that have hoods on. This does not look good. They get him, but actually what they're getting ready to do, they take him to a castle. He went in to the Wartburg Castle for safekeeping. Luther was in hiding there for 10 months. While he was there, he began to translate the Bible into German so they could hear it in German and not Latin. He also wrote what's called the Shorter Catechism so children could learn. And he wrote several songs, including... Now remember, he's in a castle. He began to meditate on what God had been teaching him. And he sat down and he wrote, a mighty fortress is our God. And it was shortly after that, he walked out of that castle amongst his enemies and lived out the truth that a mighty fortress is our God. I get to thinking about that. You know, there's people, they want to, you know, leave California. You know, Tennessee is not a fortress. Neither is Georgia, South Carolina, or whatever. A fortress is found wherever God has you. Nobody can touch you until God's through with you. And even then, God is in control of the situation. We need to get that. So that, that passage, excuse me, that song that he wrote was based on Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Even Nehemiah, I love the book of Nehemiah. There were people that said, you've got to get out of here. You know, leave, flee, 
get away. They're going to kill you. The enemies are going to come. He says, should such a man as I flee? And who is there that being as I am would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. Listen, Satan's greatest triumphs come when he can get the Lord's people to distrust the Lord. We wind up out there and and the world throws stuff at us. Come on, you know it. The world throws stuff at us and it's like, oh man, what do I do? This is what we do. We trust in God. I have struggled with that. So have you. I know that because you're made out of the same stuff I am. And so we're here to encourage each other. You know what a local church does. And say, listen, trust the Lord. Like we said last Sunday. He'll use family, friends, or our own reasoning to scare us away. Listen, we love places of safety. We, we do. We love locked doors. We love, you know, alarm system. If we've, got a, if we've got something that we can defend ourselves with, you know, we're glad for it. We love places of safety where our body can rest because our mind is at rest. But what needs to take place is we need to be persuaded that our God is in control. He's the one that takes care of us. Therefore, our souls go to rest and then our minds can rest and our body rest. Look, we're not secure by the promises of men. We're secure by the promises of God. Look at verse 2, Psalm 11. For lo, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow upon the string that they may privily shoot at the upright in heart. And again, that is what people are seeking to do. There are those that hate righteousness. By the way, can I encourage you to do something? Go to the official government website of the Supreme Court and send an email to them and say thank you for how you ruled on Roe v. Wade. Because they're being harassed in front of their homes, where they go. I'm telling you, it's wicked, it's wrong. And the administration that we have in America right now is cowardly because they won't stand up for what is right, and that's wrong. How many of you praise God that Roe v. Wade has been at least struck down so it's not nationwide? Say amen. amen. Then you write them and you tell them. I did yesterday. I didn't think about it yesterday. I thought, you know, I'm so tired of hearing about how these people are harassed. And then people in the media, they're gloating about it. People in the Democratic Party, they're gloating about it. You know, I'm telling you, there are some people that are in government, some leftists, they're not happy unless their hands are dripping blood. And that might be harsh for some people to say, but I'm telling you, it is true. When you hear some of them, one woman say, I want to get pregnant just so I can kill it. She said that. America, be sure your sin will find you out. 
You know, Moses was directed by the Lord to write in Deuteronomy 32, to me belongeth, to me belongeth vengeance and recompense. Their foot shall slide in due time. For the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things that shall come upon them make haste. God is in control. But right now, we need to stand for righteousness. Now, look at verse 3. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? You see that word foundations? It comes from a Hebrew word that means the settled order of things. The settled order of things. We had men and women in this nation that prayerfully and carefully laid out Bible-based law. In Israel, the same thing happened. There have been other places, honestly, where they desired to do the right thing. Now listen, now's the time to focus. Please, bear with me on this. When this takes place, what do we do? I didn't get my pilot's license, but I did work on it. And it was, it was a kick. I was in the Air Force, and then even after I was in the Air Force, I worked on it some more. But one of the things that they would do is they would give you a scenario and they'd say, okay, now, now this is happening, this is happening, this is happening, what do you do? And you would have to tell them, okay, I need to do number one, I need to do this, then I need to do this, and then I need to do this. So question, if the foundations be destroyed, Christian, what do you do? That's a good question. What is it that I do? A good society is built upon a foundation of truth. But that truth in America is being destroyed by the wicked one and his minions. I, no, the truth isn't being destroyed. Truth is indestructible. But the places where it was settled, it's being destroyed. What do we do? So the question is, if the foundations be destroyed, if the settled order of things are taken apart, what do we do? Well, the answer for some is this, you know, we'll scheme, we'll plan, we'll manipulate. Others, you know, we can run from the situation, be it the marriage, the job, or whatever. They, we can quit. We can even become one of the wicked or we can trust. We can trust. We can build on the foundation of God's truth. How many of you grew up in church? You were, younger, you were going to church when you were a kid. Raise your hand. All right. How many of you remember that deep theological song, the wise man built his house upon the rock? Good. Y'all know that? Why don't you come up here and sing it with me? Okay. See, you ain't got to do it. Roger, we haven't had special music in a while. I think Roger Whiteside needs to come up and sing, The Wise Man Built His House Upon the Rock. 
I don't think Rogers wanted to do that. But you know, wise man built his house upon the rock. I, I don't want to sing it because it's going to go over the air and that's going to turn people off. You know? And the rains came tumbling down. Rains came down as the floods came up. You know that. It's going to be going through your mind for the rest of the message. I might as well quit right now because that's what you're going to be singing. But see, that's what we're supposed to do. Because all through Scripture we find that Cain built on sand. Abel brought the blood sacrifice he built on the rock. Noah, Abraham, Joseph, Moses, Daniel, Ezra, all, they built on the rock. If you build on the shaky faith of a Bible that's not the complete word, you're not seeing it as being, this is God's complete word, or a life that doesn't totally belong to him, you're on the sand. And that's what we need to be thinking. When we give out these gospel tracts this next week, we're telling them, listen, this is what we all have in common. We're all sinners. You want to go to heaven? This tells you how. Christ is the one that paid the sacrifice. So we've looked at fear. Just real quick, I want us to look at foundational facts. I want us to look very quickly at some foundational facts. What is it that David saw? What is it that he witnessed? We need to see this. First of all, look at verse 4. He saw where the Lord sits. Again, we've just left verse 3. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? All right, this is what we're going to do. Number one, we're going to see where the Lord sits. Look at verse 4. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. Do you hear that? We've got people right now that are going, oh my soul, what in the world is going on with this and that and this individual and that place and this country and that country? You know, we're going to get overwhelmed. It's going to be, no, 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 no. Listen, God's on the throne. He says, look, how in the world can you say this to me? Flee as a bird to your mountain. I believe that he is looking these people in the eye and he is telling them, Now here he is, he's in the court of Saul. Saul wants to kill him. Yes, it was difficult, but this was a time when he sat down, he's meditating, God speaks to him, and he says, you know what? Let me tell you, those of you that are trying to to get me to flee this or that, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? First of all, They can look to where this Lord sits. Secondly, they can go to what the Lord sees. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. You know, it's one thing for somebody to look at you like this. But if somebody does this, you know, they're looking, I'm I'm looking, I'm checking out, you know, what is it that you're doing? That's what that means. It's like God is bending over and he's squinting his eyes and he's checking out what's taking place. 
That's what he was doing with the court of Saul. God just wasn't sitting back going, well, that's interesting. I see this over here, this over here. No. David is telling them, this is what the Lord sees. He's checking this out. God puts men and women in the crucible difficult times in order to make them reveal themselves, they're either wind up being dross or silver. That's what's happening with some of God's people today. Folks, we're here to encourage each other. God is on our side. Lastly, or next, what the Lord sends. Verse 6. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and an horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. Now the flood was universal. But in speaking of this, the mind goes back to Sodom and Gomorrah. This kind of judgment is fierce. This is what people would fear. Listen, upon the wicked he shall rain snares. We're seeing today far more than government gone bad or people gone vile. I see people being drawn to judgment. It's like somebody said, do you realize that they are seeking to teach in government schools today, they're seeking to teach what God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah for. Now that'll make you pause. That'll make you pause. We've got these people known as drag queens doing things for children. I like, well, I don't like it, but it's, it really reveals something said, really, what's taking place here? You've got to ask yourself, who is wanting what? Do children want to see drag queens or do drag queens want to bring on children? I'm telling you, it's wicked. So here we are as God's people. Look at the last verse, verse 7. This is what the saint knows. For the righteous... Excuse me, for the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. David knew God sees me. He's on my side. And there we go. There we go. I'm living for him. I'm on his side. So, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? This is what we can do. We can go on by God's grace and keep the main thing, the main thing. I still, I, and I've mentioned this, I've mentioned this already, but in studying, especially during the summer, you know, the last several months, just how much the local church means 
to our God. You know, purchased by the blood of Christ. We're the called out ones. This place is special. it's, It's not a thing of, you know, we're better than any other church. That's not it. It's a thing of where when you have God's people who have trusted the Lord as Savior come together in a local fellowship, think of this. There is nothing greater than having in common a trust in Jesus Christ. Nothing better. Nothing. So the foundations here on earth, yeah, they're going to be destroyed. We've already been told that in the last days, perilous times shall come. But the Lord loveth the righteous. We're going to be hated of all men, but the Lord loveth the righteous. So what can we do? We're about the gospel. We can keep the main thing, the main thing. Amen? It's something that we wind up being drawn away from. Praying this last week, Lord, give me somebody to speak to. Oh, it's great. And we can still do that. Let's do that. Let's share the gospel. 2 Timothy 2.19, Paul wrote to Timothy, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? (laughs) The foundation of God stands sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, Aren't you glad for that? We don't have to remind him. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. While the world is going through all of its things, hey, how say to you, my soul, you know, flee as a bird to your mountain. No. No, the Lord sees me. He knows me. He loves me. Just like Zacchaeus, our God is on our side. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would guide our church now to be renewed again, to not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Lord, may we have a passion and a desire for your work. We're thankful that if the foundations are destroyed in the world, our foundation stands firm in Christ. I pray that that would encourage us until the day that we stand before thee. And I pray this in Christ's name. And all God's people said,